This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings... Mm -hmm. We present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello, welcome into another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar and Judd Zolgad here at Winter Park on a nice sunny and beautiful day to talk about some football. Judd, how are you? I love football. Uh, yes, Football's yes, my life. Do. Yes, you do. I am all about football, Matthew Collar. You are holding two footballs right now, actually, which is amazing because you've also I've got, got the a mic third that you can't see, right? Oh, right in the oh, back. Oh, gracious. Oh. Right in my back Let's fat. Let's not ever talk about that football ever again. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry about that. Oh, I don't know if I can go on. You have to go on because Oof. people need the Purple Podcast because people need football. Are we going under the assumption, Judd, that Case Keenum will be starting against the Detroit Lions? Uh, I am because of a week ago, the Vikings attempted the old quarterback midweek media rope-a-dope. We're going to make both our quarterbacks available so you won't know who's starting. So Case and Sam are going to be available in the locker room and they'll both talk. And this week, they dropped that whole thing and it looks like Keenum talked. Sam didn't talk. So my ongoing assumption, and granted it could change, but my, my assumption right now is that coming off a career game, Last Sunday against Tampa Bay, Case Keenum will start against the Lions. For this Purple Podcast purposes, let us talk as if Case Keenum is going to start. Do you because, agree with that? No, I do, because uh, Sam Bradford not practicing here today on, on Wednesday, and that makes it seem even less likely that he would be back and ready to start. He's been limited in practice for two weeks here with the knee injury. And Absolutely. considering that Keenum played well, it seems to me like they would want to give Sam Bradford one more week uh, since we sit here at 2-1, and one, and there isn't desperation to get Sam Bradford back in. But, like you said, last week they already knew who was starting when they trotted Sam Bradford out, which could mean that they might not make him available just to make it look like he's not going to play. If Bradford doesn't practice today, I think that Keenum starts because I think the one thing that was learned going into Pittsburgh is, in this league, it's not a great idea to try and split first-team reps. So if you're going to pick a quarterback, pick a quarterback and go with that guy for the week. It's maybe my favorite thing. Case Keenum has continued to say when he's been asked about getting more first-team reps that it makes no difference. Like, come on, Case. It makes a huge difference. The Pittsburgh game showed it. Yeah, I mean, it just stands to reason that if you're in there taking the entire offense reps for the whole week, that it's going to give you a much better chance to know what you're doing on Sunday. And it certainly did show with just even how Case Keenum acted in the pocket. And he did a great job. I went back and watched all the film. Mm -hmm. He really did do a great job of reading the Tampa Bay Bucks defense. Now, I have lots of questions for the Tampa Bay Bucks that I'll save for their podcast about how they played defense against the Vikings. 
I mean, playing off Stephon Diggs 15 yards. They played three deep and gave Diggs underneath. We, we noticed the big passes, but they gave him underneath all day too, which is insane because he's a great route runner. And so Case Keenum had plenty of opportunities to find him wide open, which kind of leads me to the next thing, which is how much of last week's performance can Case Keenum carry over to the Detroit Lions? Because, Judd, that Tampa Bay performance Part of it was injuries. Part of it was scheme. Yep. I don't think you're going to see a defense play like that again. I think it's safe to say that the Detroit Lions defense, which certainly is not great, will offer something that will be very much in the middle of what you saw in Pittsburgh and what you saw on Sunday. I mean, Tampa Bay, flawed game plan or not, Matthew, started the game without three defensive starters, including their best corner. They then proceeded to lose more guys. Their secondary was a mess. Chris Conte might compete with me as far as quality for a National Football League safety at this point in Chris's career. So that was a complete, complete mess. Now, I will say what I've been saying all week, kudos to the Vikings, just as they did against the Saints, for taking advantage of the opportunities they were presented. But I think if we want the reality of Keenum, we're probably going to find out a little bit more on Sunday because Detroit's not going to offer, I don't think, as much resistance and as good play as Pittsburgh did. But they're going to be better than Tampa Bay was. Just going to wait for this giant truck to drive by. What? Where is this guy going with these? Oh, oh, he's going to a, he's going to the cafeteria. Yeah, he's going around back. Usually the uh, the trucks they stay on that side of the road. The road, yeah. So, so here. my point is, I think what we're going to see on Sunday will be in the middle of Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay. Uh, I agree with that. I do think Detroit's defense is much, much better than it was last year. Uh, they added a rookie linebacker, uh, Gerard Davis, who's looked pretty good through a couple of games. Uh, Ziggy Ansa actually looks like he's remembered how to play football. Uh, it, it's that was a, a weird deal because he was great two years ago, and then he, he was hurt last year, though, right? He must have He was been battling through an injury. Because he had 14 and a half sacks in 2014 yep. and looked like he was going to be one of the premier defensive linemen in the league. I mean, when you get to 14 and a half, that's like rare air. And then completely fell off this year he's already beaten his sack total from last year he's got three now he only had two and so they've done some work um, I think in the offseason when we were talking about it I was surprised they didn't do more and I'm still surprised they didn't do more yep. uh, but they've done some work to improve their defense uh, with that said Atlanta still put up 30 points on them and still beat them and uh, they gave up 20 something to uh, the Arizona Cardinals too so it isn't like they've come out and been completely dominant but i think they're in much better shape than when the vikings played them the last time around but i wouldn't put them anywhere except in the middle of the league at best for this detroit defense mm -hmm. so i think it's fair when we look at uh, what keenum might be able to do against detroit to expect some percentage of those same things so long as they stick to what worked and what worked was going down the field of course, I mean, protection is going to be a big deal there. And the, the Lions actually sack people this year. They have eight sacks this year. They had 26 the whole last wow. year. So that's I mean, they've made a big improvement there, and Ansa is a, at the center of that. But uh, the fact that Pat Shermer and the Vikings were willing to say, I know you're a backup quarterback, Case Keenum, but just throw it down the field because you're not really good at dumping it off and short little passes. You're good at chucking it down there and having these two good wide receivers go up and get it so they need to do more of that and then 
you know, maybe try to avoid Darius Slay because I think he's a very good cornerback. Last week they didn't have to avoid anybody. Uh, they, they might have to work around him a little bit. But I think allowing Case Keenum to throw the ball down the field was the best choice that the Vikings made last week. The interesting thing about this, and, and the Vikings have not had this luxury for a long, long time, and they certainly not, not had it in duplicate, is this. You're in a situation now where Diggs and Thielen, you can throw the ball basically up, and they will get it. And I can't tell you, Collar, post, uh, post Moss, for instance, and Carter and guys like that, how many years this team has been through situations where you have not been able to do that, where you've had to hit the receiver basically in the hands. If, if you throw the ball up and relied on the receiver to go get the ball, it was either an incomplete pass or at times it was picked off. The only instance post-Moss where I can think of where you consistently had that luxury was 2009, Favre and Sidney Rice. But for the most part, the ability to say, okay, Stefan, you go deep. I'm going to throw the ball towards you in your area code. And, oh, by the way, I trust you can catch it is a extraordinary luxury. And Viking fans should not take that for granted because there have been years, there have been gaps where this team hasn't had anyone close to that where, where you could basically – put the ball out for them, and they could go get it. Yeah, and that's going to start with the protection of Case Keenum because that's where it all started last week. I mean, there were times, uh, the throw on the third play of the game, 45-yard throw to Adam Thielen, where when I went back and looked at it, Case Keenum could have stood back there for another 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. That He had such good protection on that play. He even had multiple options on that play where he could have gone. Uh, but just sitting back there and having good protection and being able to work the ball down the field, if they can do that, they can still succeed again with Case Keenum. And there's a few other things from watching the tape against uh, Tampa Bay that stuck out to me. Is uh, I'll make a comparison here, Judd. You know how on the, on the defense everything kind of starts with Harrison Smith? That sure. Even if he's not the one making the play, the fact that he can— Can I guess here? You got to guess? Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook it is exa- Delvin, that's yes. exactly where I'm going with it. Everything starts with Delvin Cook. Yep. And play action was incredibly successful yep. against the Tampa Bay Bucks. It was very successful even in week one. But now teams have seen what Delvin Cook can do, and there's real hesitation there. I mean, they Tampa Bay was biting hard on play action. There's one play that I included in my article where I circled the linebacker. I mean, he, he just took off right after Delvin Cook and had to slam on the brakes and then turn it around and hightail it the other direction. So you can see on tape the impact that Delvin Cook is having. And now the fact that they can do play action like that, but they can also line him up as a wide receiver. He had a seven-yard catch on a crossing route. It's multiple threat. I I mean, I I think now every team has to start with him Uh when they're trying to game plan, and that makes it harder to focus on Thielen and digs down the field. Yeah, and – Cook has there, there were there were about three things last week where I said wow. One was I believe he picked up a blitz that I don't even know if, if Cook was responsible for on McCoy, where he threw a block, and you said to yourself that's about a five year in play. That's a veteran play. I can explain what happened okay, on that play because that really stuck out to me too. So this is something that Pat Shermer does. I think a lot of teams are doing it, but I really like it. Is when not only do they fake a handoff. But it also the offensive line makes it look like they are run blocking. And so on that play, uh, I think it was Joe Berger pulled, and so did Kyle Rudolph. And Rudolph is kind of supposed to make his way over to hit McCoy with Pat Elfline, 
right? So they can allow him sure. to, to pull. So it looks like it's a run play, and that sucks in the linebackers. But they didn't quite get to McCoy because he's so quick, and Delvin Cook spotted it and just in a split second stepped up. So not only did he take the fake handoff, but he also then quickly spotted what happened and stepped up and directed McCoy the right way. It was a high-level play. He called it, Delvin Cook yesterday called it the play of the game for him. Welcome to the world of a 2017 running back who is complete, Matthew Collar. Uh, Thing number two about Cook that impressed me is, I think uh, Pro Football Focus had this stat. He rushed for 97 yards, is that correct? I think he had 16 yards that he rushed for without contact. That's remarkable. That is absolutely, and, and he carried guys. He doesn't just get hit and bounce off guys. He carries guys. So, one, he's, he's making plays that veterans make. Two, he's incredibly strong and in carrying guys. And three, my third thing is five targets, five catches. I mean, if, if you were to grade Cook's game from last week on, on film, like you probably did, you probably had to look long and hard to find screw-ups. He didn't drop a pass. He threw key blocks, or at least one absolutely key block. And he rushed for 97 yards, and 81, I believe, came after contact. Yeah. That's a pretty good game. Yeah, he was averaging, I think Pro Football Focus said he was averaging three yards after contact per run. So, and I this mean, is like with two yeah. guys on him at times. Yeah. Not yeah. just, oh, you, you hit me, I'll bounce off you. Yeah. It was like, jump aboard me, I'll carry you along, and I'll get four more yards. And this goes back to us talking about in training camp where other players and coaches and people even from Delvin's past, but especially people around the team, were saying, like, you really got to see this guy. I mean, he is special. And a lot of times I think if you do this long enough – well, of course you have, and, and now I've been doing it for a while myself. You start to be able to read through the lines. Like, just I'll give you an example. Mike Zimmer today was asked, well, how do you think Nick Easton has played on the offensive line? And he says, well, look, I think the offensive line as a whole has done pretty well. If Nick Easton had been, you know, one of the best, if he had been Nick Mangold or something, you would have heard, oh, man, he's the key to our offensive line. Yeah. He's so good. He's playing extremely well. But the fact that he kind of directed it a different way, to the offensive line as a whole has played well means that yeah he doesn't have a whole lot of praise particularly for Nick Easton and mm-hmm. on tape Easton had his best game against Tampa Bay the first two were a little rough I would expect improvement he's playing a new position but that's how you kind of read between the lines right so with Delvin yes. Cook there were people lining up to talk to me about how good he was in detailed specifics and how fast he was picking up the pass protection, which I think has really been the most impressive thing, Judd. You know this, that anytime a player has a shortcoming and we ask about the shortcoming, what we often get is, oh, it's fixed. Oh, it's, oh, it's totally fixed. It's not a problem. Laquan Treadwell is now. Oh, a, yeah. I'm running he, routes. Yeah. yeah, he's running oh, routes he, unbelievable. His routes are Jerry Rice. He's a Rhodes Scholar. Yep. He now runs a 4-3. And Vikings.com puts an ar- arbitrary uh, Treadwell catch on its website just to show you that in May his hands are unbelievable. <laughs> right. No, I've seen but, it. But, uh, which we will get to that a little bit more, um, by the way, with Treadwell. But, uh, so the, the point just being that with Delvin Cook, people were lining up to talk about specifics of why he looked so good, and everything is showing up here. And I think it, it starts with his physical skill, but his intelligence, too, has really stood out. And uh, what they've gone from is having no running game whatsoever, giving the ball to Matt Asiata. Yes. From that yes. to now a guy who is – three games in the centerpiece of their entire offense, that is the entire difference between last year and this year. You know, all, all you need to know 
Matthew, by the fact that Latavius Murray is a non-factor here, and no one cares. That I mean, ordinarily that would be a story. Oh my gosh, he came in hurt, and the injury took longer than we expected, and now he's not contributing, and he was supposed to play. Latavius Murray's name is not written much. It's not talked about much. And to your point, I think the key thing with Cook was people were people were anxious to talk to you about areas of his game that aren't much fun, right? You know, if he can run the ball, they're, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, it's incredible to watch him run the ball, like with Peterson. But when they're pulling you aside or talking to you about his blocking, those things, those aren't fun jobs. But I truly, I truly believe what impresses coaches and veterans the most is when they see a player who picks up on things, and those things aren't fun to do. Those things are, are considered to be a tough part of the job, and a lot of players or some players never pick up on that stuff. Yeah, and the other part of it, too, is with rookies, sometimes it, it takes a while for guys to figure out how to be a professional football player, um, especially it's hard to do when there's a lot of pressure on them because I don't even know if they realize how much focus there's going to be on a first-round draft pick or a guy who's a high second-round pick or who's supposed to make an impact right away. But from the very beginning, Delvin Cook took a veteran type of attitude and professional approach that you just don't see a whole lot. And I came out of camp expecting that he would be a pretty special player. And what we've seen now is, is a pretty special player. And that should give you confidence that the Vikings offense, even if there are some issues with the quarterback, if Case Keenum has to play another game or two, that they could still survive that. I mean, last year, if Sam Bradford wasn't well if he wasn't excellent yep. and they weren't converting third downs where they struggled a lot, I mean, if they had any struggles whatsoever, they just weren't able to succeed on offense because there was no safety blanket. But you said that very fittingly in this sense. Nobody in this conversation right now is saying Keenum's the guy. He's the answer. I think we're both talking about this as, hey, if, if he has to play four games, it's not ideal, but he's not going to kill you. But ultimately, this this conversation, as the opponents improve too, is going to come back to can Bradford come back? Because if, if you're looking at, oh, my gosh, it's really going to be six or seven weeks for Bradford, and now Case has to start a ton of games, I think you're delusional if, you're, if you sit here and say it's going to be fine. But – that being said, what I like is, as we talked about on the Purple Podcast on Sunday after the win, at least the offense now makes sense. At least the offense is being run when, if and when Bradford comes back at a point where you say this thing has a real chance to succeed as opposed to if Bradford comes back, I still doubt it. With uh, Keenum, I still see him as a 500 type of quarterback that – the first two weeks of Case Keenum, what we saw, were kind of like the perfect Case Keenum recap of his career. It's the resume. Right. Yeah, yeah that's that, it. That's I his mean, resume. If you remember, people got really excited about Keenum when he first came on with Houston because there was a national TV game where he was just hucking it up like yep. he was uh, on Sunday. And then kind of reality hit with Keenum, and he had some down games. and. He's had some great games like this. I don't think any game has been quite this good, but there have been other games where he's gone for the over 300 yards and, and he's been good at throwing it down the field. And then lots of other ones that have looked like the Steelers game. So that's what you could expect. But if you're playing a team that you, you could slow down their offense, uh, like I think we've seen very good things from the Vikings defense. So if you're playing a team where you could slow down their offense, you can 
win a game where Keenum doesn't play well, yep. which I think is kind of the goal. Like if you're if you're the rest of the Vikings team, you probably know if he's going to have to play for a couple more games, one of these you're going to have to win where he doesn't play well in order to stay afloat. And this is race. a crucial stretch too because you're going what versus Detroit, and then you go two more division games. You go to Chicago Monday night game, come home against the Packers, and. What, what makes this ultra-important to me is I believe by the time you get to the bye week or pass playing the Browns in uh, London, if I'm not mistaken, you have now played five home games. You have a three-game road trip. And most importantly, you have three home games left. So this becomes an, an incredibly important stretch. Tell me this. What is your expectation for Sunday? This defense is very good. But you get Matthew Stafford. You get a Lions offense that's pretty doggone good. What's your realistic expectation for what this defense can do to give this offense a chance to win on Sunday? I don't think that there's any team in the NFL that I would say the Vikings have no chance at slowing them down. Maybe the New England Patriots, but they haven't been perfect. I I think this defense right now, seeing that it's 100% healthy, that was our concern going into the season. It wasn't when they're at 100%. It was if anybody goes down. But they go into this game with everyone healthy and playing extremely well. The big matchup for me is going to be Greg Robinson as a left tackle against Everson Griffin. If Taylor Decker was healthy, I would say, well, you know, they've got a chance to slow Griffin down. Greg Robinson is a very, very bad NFL player. Didn't Griffin rip him in the in the locker room today as well on wednesday <laughs> he called him a lazy player yes <laughs> so he's not only bad according to everson he's lazy well i mean this is a, a major bust right a former top pick of the rams yeah this who, is true you're right who was disastrous and then traded to detroit and Good so point. i have not uh, watched the entire detroit film yet from last week usually i watch a game or two from from the week before i don't know why you're slacking off but yeah we'll i know carry on in the pro but, podcast. but i already just checked their pro football focus numbers uh-huh. And Greg Robinson, it's out of it's one to a hundred is the ratings. He's got a thirty. Okay, so Griffin's <laughs> going to eat him up completely. Is yes, what you're telling me? That would be my expectation. All right, and to me, that's the difference maker. That Stafford is uh, mobile. He can move around a lot. Uh, their offense has gone to a lot of short passes. Uh, they use the running back out of the backfield a lot. A very dangerous weapon, and they throw to Golden Tate every play. So that they have weapons to use. They, they can create big plays. But I think Everson is just going to maul Greg Robinson, no matter what they do. Everson has looked this year maybe the best he's ever looked. Yeah, he I, looks really good again. I mean, he's just dominated every single week, and he did it again so last week. Stafford's going to have to get rid of the ball extremely quickly is what you're telling me in order to, to succeed on Sunday. Right, and Linval Joseph also is just not to be overlooked because Linval Joseph might be – Okay, let's say Everson and Xavier Rhodes have been the best players on defense. Uh-huh. Well, Linval's been just as good. You look at these opponents and their running totals. Like, I mean, Adrian Peterson was in tears in the first game, and then the second game they get they get nothing really out of Le'Veon Bell. I mean, he picks up yards, but right. yards per carry was like three yards per carry. Yep. And then in this last game, just nothing from the Bucks on the ground, and that's been all Linval Joseph because. We were concerned, reasonably so, about the three technique, but he's been so dominant in the middle, it just hasn't mattered. He's like both spots. Yeah. Nose tackle and the three technique. He's really that good. I mean, he is is one of the players where it's worth watching the tape on, or just even if you're watching a broadcast, just watch him. 
Like, don't look where the ball goes. Like, just watch him. He just eats space up, and you can't move. And uh, Tampa Bay has a pretty good center, and he just completely mauled him. And, and, and so th- I don't think Detroit's going to have a lot of success running the ball. It's going to have to be the short passes. And, you know, they, they can score, and they can move the ball. Okay. But you feel like, how many points do you need to beat Detroit? If you get to 20, I think you've got a good chance to win. Observation for you, and I'm, I'm curious after after you watch the film, what you think of it. It seemed to me early in that Tampa Bay game that Tampa Bay, and they abandoned this, I think, a little bit, but Tampa Bay took a page from the uh, Colts game last year and came out and kept the Vikings in base defense early. And it seemed to me like that first drive, if I'm not mistaken, they moved quickly for about three or four first downs. Are the Vikings vulnerable and is that a concern if you keep three linebackers on the field as opposed to going to two linebackers and then the five defensive backs? Well, one thing that's worth mentioning from that Colts game is that Harrison Smith wasn't playing. I don't think it's a huge issue if Harrison Smith is playing. We haven't seen teams test Ben Gideon really at all. Uh, when he's been in the game, they've mostly run. And when they've thrown, they haven't attacked him outside of maybe one time. I remember one seam route, uh, I think it was in New Orleans, where they went after They threw at Wayne, Wayne's early on Sunday against Tampa, right? Yep. And they didn't, didn't Tampa go at Wayne's? Yeah, and they didn't have a lot of success. And it's an, another thing to bring up. Okay. So at this moment, I don't see it as a huge concern as long as the two safeties are healthy. Okay. If the safeties get hurt, I think that's a huge problem because there's sure. no backup. There's nobody who can step well, in. Smith's one of your best players. So. I actually think Newman would be your backup. I think that they would start Terrence Newman as safety. Well, yeah, because your options are what? J. Ron Curse, who's good on special teams, but and not same, a safety. Yeah, same with Anthony Harris, special okay. teams. Yeah. And Antoine Exum is uh, no longer on the team. Yes, he's an, so that he was probably, Exum's an ex-Viking. Yes, an Exum Viking. See, I did yes, that. That's very job. Matthew Collar-like. Thank you. Very, very good. Yeah. Well, real quick on uh, Trey, Trey Waynes. I, he had his best game by far. And, I mean, against Deshaun Jackson, Jackson had one catch on four attempts going his way. Yep. That was the big matchup we were talking about. And I think Mike Zimmer was talking about it a bit today, just about his confidence and just learning to just go out there and play and not feel like uh, he's under the gun all the time. And this team has confidence in Trey Waynes. Like, they believe that Trey Waynes is going to be a good or is already a good cornerback in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And so going, because I see this all the time from week to week where people talk about him as if he's just, like, sucking the defense down the toilet bowl. And neither one of those first two games were good, but you also haven't seen him give up huge numbers of catches or get attacked as crazy as we kind of thought maybe at the beginning of the season. So I I think for the most part, those first two games were rough, but circumstances hurt him, and then he was flat-out excellent against Tampa Bay. Do you think, I believe part of the problem here, and I think, and we're, we're probably guilty of this as well, because Zimmer likes to rotate his corners in and out so much, I think we perceive sometimes that Waynes is being benched when he's not being benched. I think they have matchup ideas. I mean, they run they run different corners into different spots quite a bit, and I think that creates the perception that, oh, man, Waynes is out of the game. He didn't play well. He's been benched. I'm not saying he never gets benched, but I am saying because of how they do that, it's very easy, I think, for our perception to be he's not playing well and he's not playing all the snaps, and therefore something's wrong. Yeah, I, I think it's a huge advantage for this team 
to be able to now have Tremaine Brock and Mackenzie Alexander so far has played well. We'll see how much that continues. And they've done a good job of spotting him, but too. Yes, yes. Not giving him too much on his plate. Yep, correct. A little football talk for you. And thank you. Um, you really reached back for that weird football for that one. Yeah, well, um, the, the weird one with plate, you know. <laughs> uh, but Keep uh, going. It, Tremaine Brock did not have a very good uh, introduction to Viking football. But, I mean, he's a proven cornerback who's been good in the league. So I think it's an advantage when you can have even Xavier Rhodes take a breath and take a series off and not feel like you're going to completely collapse. And so we go from feeling coming out of camp, this is what Tremaine Brock does for them, we go from feeling like, yikes, if one of those guys gets hurt, it's a big problem, to now feeling like if anyone goes down, then they could make up for it. And otherwise, they just have an advantage by being able to mix people in. And with Trey Wayne's, it's always tough for these corners because everyone sees what Xavier Rhodes does yes, and expects that no one is going to make catches against Trey Waynes. They think that everyone has to be like Darrell Revis to be even good in the league. It's like you're Darrell Revis or get out of here. Yeah. And that's just not how it generally works. And teams works. are going to throw at Waynes. Yes, he's going to get the targets so, because Xavier has been amazing so far this year. So contextualize for us how well Rhodes is playing. Because I... It's very easy now, as you, you just alluded to, to take this for granted. But when you're watching a true shutdown Pro Bowl corner, it's really special. And I take you back about five years when this team would have given anything to have a guy playing like Rhodes is right now. Uh, I guess I would put it this way, that the Minnesota Vikings, for having to pay Rhodes $32 million guaranteed or potentially as high as $78 million, uh, they feel great about that. <laughs> they, they probably feel like... We got a deal. We we have an absolute steal here because someone else, if he had hit free agency, would have come in and paid him more. Yeah. And uh, he has played so well against the quality of competition. I don't know. I mean, comparing it to the other guys, there's like five other corners in the league who can do this. And they do it from a week-to-week basis. Akib Tlaib has done it for like a decade. He's, to me, he's like a Hall of Fame corner, Akib Tlaib. If he's got a lot but of things. Rhodes is to playing the but, slot now. I mean, he's doing things. He's his game. His game was already outstanding. Yeah, and it's maturing. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like he's continued to grow and get even better. And I remember Terrence Newman saying that Rhodes spent the off season learning how to play in the nickel spot too, so he could uh, shadow anyone. Which we may see him shadow Golden Tate there even uh, this week. I wouldn't it's, doubt it. It's possible. Uh, because Golden Tate has 21 catches, and the next best wide receiver has seven. But he has so, one fewer touchdown than he probably should have, and it cost the Lions the game last week. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about NFL rules or management in any way. Let's just leave that off the table for talk this Talk about week, kneeling but, during the the anthem? You want to talk about that? No, I'm going to protest it's a wipe the subject, kneeling you know. conversation for now. Just, <laughs> I've, I, you're, I, going to kneel, I just, you're going to kneel before the anthem to protest the kneeling during the anthem. I, I am just... Kneeled out? All kneeled out. For, all right. I think everyone is from the conversation. Uh, we've had a lot um, of it, yep. But uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I mean, what you have is a true shutdown corner. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're extremely hard to find. And the fact that they were able to wrap him up for a long period of time... Um, I, I think through the rest of his prime, he's going to be one of the best in the NFL. And this year, so far, he's proven that. Three positives. A running back who's young and can do three things. We have not seen that here in a long time. Wide receivers who you throw them the ball, and it might not be on target, and they can get it. We have not seen that consistently in a long time. 
and a shutdown corner. And as I said, five, six years ago, this team would have, if they could have gotten a player half as good as Rhodes, they would have begged for that. So three Vikings positives. That's right. I just gave you three positives. Wow. I thought you were Judd Zolgad right here giving you three purple positives. So, all right, well, let me bring you back into an area where you feel more safe, which is uh, chaos. Okay, good. The quarterback situation with Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy, Theodore. Yes, yes, yes. How do you see this playing out, Judd, with uh, Teddy Bridgewater? Because I tried my best to analyze at 1500ESPN.com tried uh, that's a good website does a great job on the vikings yes on the vikings it's very good so anyway um i tried my best to analyze the situation yeah and go through all the possibilities uh but my head started spinning around in circles yes. with all the possible ways that this could go and uh, just the latest are that there's reports that he's going to be quote ready to go when they bring him back uh, off the pup list whatever that means on the Mackey and Judd show today, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. weekdays on 1500 ESPN. Great show when I'm on it. I was asked that. I was asked this question. Over under on Teddy Bridgewater taking a snap this season. And I would say a month and a half, two months ago, within the last month, I have said, I don't see it. Knee, knee basically blew up, hurt very badly. Clearance might be difficult. I have changed my opinion, and here's why. I now think the Vikings are going to get him into a game, at least a game this season, based on this. Matthew, I don't see any way that Sam Bradford has a long-term future here now. He has a knee problem. He's had two surgeries. And I know Teddy's knee blew up, so I'll stop you right there because I get that. But Sam Bradford has had two ACL surgeries. He's going to turn 30 years old, and he's going to want a rich, lucrative, long-term contract extension. I don't see any way that the Vikings give him that. I see a way that the Vikings, if they can get Teddy back on the field and by all appearances from what's being leaked to uh, various outlets, that can happen, that the Vikings get him some snaps and make a decision from there. So previously I was thinking, okay, if Bradford plays all season long, stays healthy and plays well, this might be incentive to jettison Teddy and keep Sam and give Sam, let's say, a three-, four-year lucrative deal. I don't see that now, so I actually see a good chance that Teddy at least gets in a game or two so the Vikings can make a decision because there is a chance that the Vikings are going to default to this guy could be our quarterback in 2018 because I don't see you giving a contract to a guy who's going to turn 30 with what's clearly a chronic knee problem. I think the only way that that happens is if Sam Bradford returns, let's say, next week and never has a knee issue again, and they go 11-5 and five and win a playoff game. Sure, okay. And then I think, I'll give you that. Then I'll... I think Sam Bradford is probably your long-term quarterback, and they trade Teddy Bridgewater for a first-round pick to Miami. Okay. Right? I mean, I could, I could see that happening. Um, but I don't see it. But this knee thing is, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see this playing out that cleanly. Do you? Uh, it's really hard to see a scenario where it just goes perfectly and one guy is clearly your future quarterback because – if Bridgewater comes back, how do you find out if he can really play? And then how do you have any security if he could play for a long period of time? If he can be healthy with the knee for the next five years or, or more than that to be your franchise quarterback, that's really hard to figure out. The way I could see it playing out, I've probably said this before, but that franchise tag is, is looming. And they could use it and have both guys going into next year. 
And I know that it's like the number one thing in the world that no team wants is quarterback right. controversy. And the quarterback's not going to want that either, but in Bradford's w- case. What it would do is buy them time to get a bigger sample size on Teddy Bridgewater and then decide which one they want at the end of training camp or just keep both through the 2018 season. I think it's a scenario that could happen. It could happen. I, I've got to think, though, that if they try and play things out that way, that things eventually at some point in time are, are going to get dicey with the Bradford camp. Mm-hmm. I just I think you got to you got to be frightened by both these guys. But the security that I thought that they had in Bradford, I now don't think that, that they have. And, heck, you know what, 2018, there's a fighting chance. We're talking offseason about Kirk Cousins, Jimmy Garoppolo, Teddy Bridgewater, Bradford, who knows. It's Winter Park, well, the quarterback position, man. It's never secure here. I think the obvious answer is to give Case Keenum a long-term extension right now. Lifetime? Would you think we uh, talked lifetime over on the show. 125 easily? Oh yeah. Oh, I'd call up his. I'd lock him up right now. I'd lock him up for the rest of for the rest of his career. Case Keenum. Do you think that the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday will defeat the Detroit Lions? Uh, we are taping this on Wednesday. I I have to reserve the right to change my mind right now. Bless you. Right. Sorry. Right now, I'm going to say, I do not. I oh. do not. I do not see them. But I I have to reserve the right to change my mind. But this is a tough stretch of games. Um, Matthew Stafford's really good. That offense is really good. It'll be interesting to see them go up against this Vikings defense, which I don't think is going to play horribly. I guess here's what I come back to. The Minnesota Vikings have played three games. In two of them, they have played defenses that are either really banged up, really bad, or a combination of both. In one, they played a good defense, and they lost that game. And I think Stafford and that Lions offense is going to be hard to stop. Um, therefore, can the Vikings offense counter and score enough to win that game? Right now, I don't think so. I think I'm just going to go with uh, home field advantage All right. as the difference there. That uh, for whatever reason, maybe it's uh, the noise, the magic of the Minnesota air. don't know what it is. What's well, the air? I don't know. You know how the when Minnesota they're in uh, Colorado, they're always like, well, they got yeah, the, cause the high Yeah, because the high altitude. Right, yeah. yeah, you're Every- at... You're at X amount of feet, 8,000 feet or whatever. I probably started watching football, professional football, Judd, in like 93. I love professional football. I want to say like 93, 94. Oh, you're a youngster. I started in 78. So like John Elway was one of the top quarterbacks, right? Yep. And so he's going to be on national TV. Every national TV broadcast, they would talk about the thin air. Oh, yeah. It is 2017, and every national broadcast for Denver, they're talking about the air. Yep. Yep. So that's what I was alluding to. When, so when you walk in, when when opposing teams walk in to play the, the Avs at the Pepsi Center, the first thing you see is a sign that tells you how high above sea l- l- level you are, just so you're intimidated by the fact that you're above sea l- level and it's going to be very tough to play that. Oh, wow. That's what they love. They love to make it apparent how tough it's going to be. That was certainly an issue last year for opponents of the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, who just are like, okay, whatever. They had 30 points less than the next worst team, I think. Oh, so they were bad. Uh, anyway, uh, home field advantage has been a big deal okay. since uh, U.S. Bank Stadium was erected. Uh, so I think that the Vikings will have a good defensive performance and they will get a lot out of Delvin Cook running against his team. I'm not really buying that Detroit is that much better defensively. They're probably somewhat improved, but not majorly better. And I think the Vikings end up winning the game. So there you I go. I can change my mind, though. 
No, but before no, Sunday. Can't. We're taking no. this on Wednesday. I might change my mind by Friday. No, no, By no. our pick segment on the Mac and Judd Show. 9 to 1 weekdays, well, is that when it is? 1500 ESPN. Is that on AM? Not to be, conf- not to be confused with 1500ESPN.com, your home for the best Vikings coverage That's in town. That's on the Internet. That's on the Internet, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. The web, as we like to call it. All right. Before this continues any further, All right, we'll bye. say goodbye. See ya. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.